0: Well, good morning. It is wonderful to be back. Uh, This time I actually brought a family member with me, so that's wonderful. My wife was able to make it. Um, Our children are actually over at Ashland EPC because their pastor and my former boss and colleague and friend, he and his wife said, hey, can we have your kids stay with us for the weekend? And we said, what's the catch? And they said, well, we want to hang out with them and do fun things with them. Okay, it's sold, so <laughs> after this we'll be leaving and going over to Ashland uh, to pick up our children after two days uh, of missing them, two days of missing them. <laughs> our scripture text this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, and I invite you to follow along with me. It's a little bit of a lengthy passage, but once you hear it, you'll understand why we are taking in the whole uh, uh, passage of the road to Emmaus, so follow along with me as I read from God's holy word. Now that same day, two of them were going Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened these days? Jesus said, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, It is the third day since it all took place in addition some of our women amazed us they went to the tomb early this morning but they didn't find his body and they came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive and then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said but they did not see Jesus he said to them how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into glory And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. Uh, they They urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. And began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? While he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. And they got up and they returned to Jerusalem at once. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon." Then the two told what happened on the way and how Jesus recognized them when he broke bread. The word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that as we look at this passage, as we look at this amazing moment where you encountered your people on the resurrection day, Lord, help us to encounter you this morning and may my words be useful to you and your people. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So first of all, I just want to throw out there, what a Bible study to not know you show it, you're show you showing up to. These two are on a crazy day, a chaotic day, a disorienting day. And I think about that, that maybe the times that we've been in might have had some moments that have been disorienting, where the world that you expect didn't show up. You see, these folks were followers of Jesus. They were expecting They were anticipating, they were convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who was going to redeem Israel. They knew this. They were devoted to it. They were ready. If Jesus had said, all right, it's time to get swords, they would say, we don't know how to use them, but we'll get them, because they knew that the Lord was going to go before them. If he said, let's go and get uh, uh, torches and, and jars and march around the city seven times, they would say, I know that story too, and we'll do that, because... The Lord is going before us. No matter what Jesus asked them to do, they were going to do it because they knew the Lord was going before them. Now was the time to redeem Israel. And then the inconceivable occurred. Then he was betrayed by one of, the rumor has it, one of his own. And then he was taken in the middle of the night and he had a a sham trial he had a beatings. He had crucifixion. And then they're scattered in a couple of days figuring out what just happened. Everybody's trying to avoid the, the, the threat of further executions. And there's rumors going all around the city. And who knows what's happened. And then on that Sunday morning, some went to the tomb to go finish taking care of the body. And they say he's not even there. Can you imagine? Put yourself in Cleo, Cleopas and his wife probably Mary put yourself in their shoes. Think about how disoriented would you be? They're confused. Their hopes are shattered. How is it possible? God, why? Where? Why? Like, you just start going through all the question words and you don't have any answers. You barely have questions. You're just in a daze. So they're leaving Jerusalem to go back down to Emmaus. And it's not uncommon to have a, a, a stranger walk up beside you and and uh, I would imagine, I'm kind of an extroverted person, I like to talk to people, but I think even in this day, I might be like, mm, I'm just not in the mood to talk, sir. But there comes Jesus. What you talking about? I can't help but see humor in the Bible. So what are you talking about? What, do you don't, are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what just happened? Uh, what things? Well, there's this, see, there's this guy named Jesus. Oh, tell me about him. He's from Nazareth. Oh, really? I bet he had parents. (laughs) Mary. Yeah, it's a common name, I guess. He's talking with them. Oh, you of little faith. Can't you just see what the prophets have told? And he opens the scriptures to them. And while I know this is a great passage for us to look at the beauty of the picture, the fact that God has been building this story, for centuries, that God from Moses and the prophets has been building the story pointing to Jesus. And that is an absolute pillar, a bedrock foundational part of our faith, especially in the reformed understanding that we don't just have, oh, the old angry God of the New of the, the Angry God of the Old Testament and the God of love in the New Testament. Have you ever heard people say that? And I understand why they say that, and I can appreciate, because there are some difficult stories in the Old Testament, aren't there? There are some challenging texts that we have to wrestle with. But I think it's a beautiful picture that Jesus says, no, God has been consistent. God has been doing something. And God has been pointing to the Messiah from the beginning. But the Messiah, and I think the point of the story for us today isn't just to say, oh, isn't the Old Testament important? Which it is. And I want to encourage that. But that is not the point of the story. It's that the story isn't what we expected. The story was not what they expected. The people at this time were incapable of seeing a picture big enough to see Jesus's role and place within it. And you know, they still operate under the idea that God is good. And therefore, if we are good, God owes us goodness. If we are faithful and good, God will bring us success and ease and, and kindness and peace, right? And they were looking. They were looking through the wrong end of the telescope. N.T. Wright said they are looking through the wrong end of the telescope. He said that they were looking at the scriptures for how God would deliver Israel from suffering, when in fact they were missing that the message of God is that God will deliver Israel through suffering. Did you hear the difference? I think when we start getting our... Vision skewed is when we start looking at God saying you are a good God and therefore your good God ways will bring us ease and peace and success. That you will pave a path that is cleared before us so that we can praise your name and say look how bountiful is our God. Look how present is our God. He's going to deliver us from suffering. But the message That Jesus unpacked for them from Moses through the prophets to the events that they just experienced declared a message that God will deliver us through suffering the good news the word of the Lord thanks be to God yikes see when we have a small view of God, we, we view that we need to be rescued from suffering, and we believe that if we worship well and live the good life, raise, we'll raise good kids, we'll, we'll win and then die fulfilled, probably on a golf course after hitting a hole in one. I don't know. But I wish that was true about God. I wish that it was just know the right formula, say the right prayers, attend the right church, know the right theology, drink the right beer while you're at the theology on tap, Is it a Guinness? Does he require everybody to have a Guinness? (laughs) And then life just works out good for everybody. But that is the small view of God. That is the tangible view of God. That is the view of God that we can wrap our arms around, our minds around, and we can see a good God would do a very simplistically. God is good, therefore good things must flow from God. But this is the the small view of God is the one that leads us to say God will rescue us from Rome. But they had a bigger enemy, didn't they? They had a bigger threat, didn't they? They had a bigger Egypt they needed to be delivered from than just Rome. Then we join Cleopas on the road to, to Emmaus, the road of sorrow, that road of confusion, that road of death. It's on that road that Jesus taught the truth that it's through the suffering and through despair that God will be made known to us. That's a hard teaching. We would prefer to seek God in many other places. We'd prefer to seek God in a nice worship service. We'd, be, we'd prefer to seek God through meditation and prayer and Bible study. Some of us prefer to seek God in nature. I don't know if your preferred godly nature site, place, sacred spot is a... Uh, uh, a sunrise on the ocean, or a sunset on a lake, or maybe the great expanse over uh, uh, the Grand Canyon or some such place. Do you remember the song, Our God is an Awesome God? It's a song from the 80s. Uh, uh, Rich Mullins wrote it. And I, I, I was a kid of the youth group of the, of the 80s and 90s, and so we sang that almost every week. Our God is an Awesome God. Apparently, he wrote that being inspired driving across Kansas, because he was inspired by the immense awesomeness of no, the nothingness and expanse. Of, I don't, He probably would have had a much nicer way to say it. I don't know how to interpret it other than he just saw the bleak expanse of fields and concluded our God is awesome because he's bigger than this. And we think about those are our high point moments where we go to something larger than ourselves, but no, the truth of this story, the truth of the cross is that we encounter And God is made known through through suffering, through despair, through death. God is found first and foremost on the cross, beaten and dying. God, in this moment, takes on our destiny in all its forms. That's what Andrew Root said. He's a theologian, pastor, and scholar, author. He said, we have tried to find God in other places, but God found, is found first on the cross, beaten and dead, not as a masochist, but as a bearer of what is. He's not found on the cross as someone who is forsaken. He's not found on the cross as someone who just uh, took a wrong turn. He was found on the cross as the bearer of reality the bearer of the reality of pain, the bearer of the reality of evil, the bearer of the reality of suffering. God takes on our destiny of death in all of its form, Andrea wrote. So it's through suffering and despair that God has made known to us. He's found on the cross, but why? That's our cry, isn't it? God, why? And the harder things that we go through, sometimes we turn into a a spiritual three-year-old, and I don't mean that with any disregard. But we turn into the three-year-old that wants to say, why, 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 why? Because no answer we get is ever satisfying, is it? Why war, if you have the power to stop it? Why famine, if we have enough food to be fed? Why cancer? Why abuse? Why corruption or injustice, conspiracy, racism, hatred, lies? Why? Why floods? Why drought? Why evil and suffering God? Why? You see, Christianity is a faith in a God who entered into death who overcame death so that death might be overcome. It's less about the why and more about the what. What Jesus did was to come and turn the world upside down. What Jesus, did. see, we're about to take a meal here soon. We're about to eat and drink and remember Jesus. What is the first meal in the Bible? Does anybody remember what the first meal of the Bible was? that you see yeah. Hey we haven't tried this fruit before <laughs> It's pretty good. It's kind of like a part nectarine, part plum. We're not really sure. It's delicious. Delightful. Adam, you should try it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It is delicious. It's drafty in here. And they became knowledgeable of the world. They ate a meal that showed them the fallenness of that creation. And Jesus is coming and he provides a new meal that proclaims a new creation because he entered into death and came through it, came out of it, came up on the other side. He rose and he is alive. We just confessed today that which we believe, that Jesus is living, that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father right we just prayed earlier and we took time and we were told to be silent to close our eyes and re- recognize that the presence of Christ is with us through the work of his spirit who's present with us and this truth about the present Christ who's present in the meal who's brought a, a meal of new creation a hope of new creation is not built in our success and ease and life now but it's built upon the fact that Jesus embraced and took on every form of death that we have and that God will be made made known in the suffering. He will be made known in the hurt. He will be made known in those times where we want to cry out why and instead of giving us why, he gives us his presence and says, I'm here. If you've ever known somebody who suffered much, I think it takes a deep deep maturity and suffering to get to that place where you, don't, where you don't expect an answer anymore, where the presence is enough. I think as a young person, as a young man, I, I was never satisfied. I still wanted to know why. Glad you're here. Now that you're here, can you explain why? Now that you're here, can you explain why in this world there's still so much harm? I drove an hour and 15 minutes. And think about how many how many people in pain did I drive by between here and Trenton? Thousands. Where are you, God? Why? Well, he's present. And he went to the cross. And he overcame death so that death might be overcome. And then that means that we, the church, we are the community that enters into despair as well. But we enter into despair as celebration and joy. For entering into the despair of ourselves and our world, every time we enter into the despair of ourselves and our world, we confess that we are encountering God. Every time we take the bread and drink the cup, we enter into the despair, we enter into the chaos, we enter into the pain and suffering of death And we confess that we encounter God. In so doing, we are not discovering the answer to our many questions. We are not getting answers to the yearning, confusion, suffering, but rather the very presence of God in broken places is what we encounter. And that, friends, we cry out is worth celebrating and is worth our worship. So what does that mean? Does that mean stop asking questions? Nah, keep asking. God is a big God. He can handle you saying why 150 times. And unlike our mothers and fathers, He won't snap at some point and just say, enough, no more questions. So keep asking. But, friends, I hope that you and I can come to a point where together, and it's going to be together, not just merely as individuals, but together, we find some strength and peace and hope in just being present in the despair. Not trying to fix it. Not trying to make up a magical God who's going to wipe it away at our beck and call. But to rest in what God is doing and trust that he's alive and trust that he has a plan and trust that he's present. And sure, so much of it doesn't make sense. Read the paper. Life doesn't make sense. But what does make sense to me is this, that the way of the cross is the way of new life and rebirth and new creation. And my hope is in that. And then, and we're just called to be the priests who go out and proclaim it and share it and love it and try to lead others to enjoy it and taste it. Not convince them, not win, not express dominion over, not create a Christian nation or world to, to, to enter Jesus coming again. No, we just enter in the presence of despair and rest in the hope and celebrate that Jesus took on all our Despair in all its forms. So when you're hurting, find another Christian to sit with. Don't talk, by the way. If you're that Christian who was called and invited into that space, do less talking, do more sitting. Don't pull out that verse from Romans 8. That Romans 8 verse has its place. You know which one. God works out all things for the good of those who love him. It has its place. But when they're hurting, Sit. And be present. Don't try to explain how it's going to be a better day someday. Be present. Don't try to be like Jesus in this moment and say, oh, ye of little faith. Not your place. But friends, together, I think that's why we do this monthly, bi-monthly, weekly, is to remind ourselves just how much we are strengthened by just sitting in the presence of God where he took on all of it. in a world that loves to respond, show strength, show domination, show power, show wealth, never show show fear in your eyes, the true way of new life is through giving it up and losing it all. That is the Jesus way. That is the real message of the road to Emmaus. Amen? Lord, be with us as we try to trust you as we try to rest in you. Lord, we are usually pretty good at life, we confess. And so, Lord, we like to have control over a lot of things. Help us, Lord, to let go. Help us, Lord, to see and learn not just all the wonderful Old Testament uh, Bible studies, but, Lord, that we might see that you chose the way of suffering and despair to bring about new. Lord Jesus, you said that the seed had to die for the new growth to come. And so Lord, help us to just go with you to the cross this morning. Lord, meet with us here as we worship. In Christ's name we pray, amen.